We're starting a brand new series today called Moving Forward. And we have said over the last little while that we are actually really excited about this annual general meeting. I don't know what kind of churches you've been involved with in the past, but it's very rare for the pastor to stand up on a Sunday morning and say, I can't wait for the AGM. Because annual general meetings are usually knock them out, rock them, sock them, insult every, like they get ugly. And I can say that in full confidence because I have been a part of those kinds of meetings. And it's like, wow, when did we stop being the church? Um, but that is not the case here. We have, I have yet to have a bad general meeting, which is good. Um, but we are actually legitimately so excited about everything that God has been doing in the background. We can't wait for the AGM to be the time where we finally reveal all that is happening behind the scenes and just tell you and share with you the excitement of what 2022 is going to afford us. Because we have some really cool things coming in this new year. So, as I said earlier, all members are expected to be in attendance. Um, it's not really an optional thing. And I'm saying in-house attendance. If you are a member, please be here because we need a certain number of members to, in order to even have the meeting <clears throat> because you are voting members and you have to vote on a few of the things that we're going to be talking about at that meeting. But it is open to everyone. And we will be having communion that Sunday. We will be having potluck that Sunday so you can start thinking about the things you want to make for potluck because it's been way too long. What? We're going to have potluck, Mary. I know. It's so exciting. I can't wait. And we have new tables. I'm so excited. about. It's going to be the biggest Sunday we've had in a long time because we're having potluck. I can just feel it. We got our round tables and we can actually see it. It's going to be great. I, mm, mm, and that's just the that is just the icing of the cake that we've got planned for you that day. So, if you can't sense it, I'm excited <laughs> about AGM Sunday. Um, but we're going to take this whole month and we're going to build up. I'm going to tell you kind of the ideas of what we want to be doing without actually telling you what we're actually going to be doing. So I want to build some excitement about the heart of what we're doing. I want to build some excitement about the vision and the, the values that are going into what we're doing, but I'm not actually going to tell you anything about what we're doing, because if you want to know that, you actually have to come to the AGM. So we're taking the whole month to do it. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Don't miss a single Sunday because you, well, I mean, you can go back and watch it later, I guess. But I'd rather you be here for it. Um, but before we get going, our nice little icebreaker. I don't know about you, but I, as a kid, I loved hide-and-seek. Now, in order for you to understand this, I grew up on a farm, but it was huge. And so whenever we played hide-and-seek, it wasn't like go hide and five minutes later the round is over. No, you spent hours looking for people because they're in trees, they're in holes, they're under buildings, they're, they're everywhere. And you, you could spend hours looking for all these people. And we actually ended up having to change it from hide-and-seek to kick the can. Because if you don't know the rules of kick the can, you go hide... And while the seeker's not looking, if one of you can get to the can and kick it, then everyone's safe. That's how we played. And so that sped up the game significantly, especially if you had a really good seeker that found most of the people. Um, 
and we play with a soccer ball. And the reason for that is if we play with a can, the number of times that soccer ball bounced off people's faces, um, a can would have been devastating. I mean, a lot more trips to the hospital at the Redstone House than we would have played with an actual can. So it was li- really kicked the ball, call it kick the can, same game. Anyways, less pain. Uh, but now as a parent, hide-and-seek has changed. So for my girls, we're still learning the fact that hiding means you actually like hide and don't make any noise. Because um, when we play at my house... The girls start hiding, and after 30 milliseconds, they're like, Daddy, make some noise. That defeats the whole purpose. Daddy, make noise. Oh. So they don't make a bird noise or something. Anyways, it defe- anyway, they love it. I'm like, one day you'll figure out how hide-and-seek actually works. You're going to go to a friend's house and learn a really hard lesson about hide-and-seek here one of these days. Uh, question number one, everyone on the line, please participate. What is your favorite hide-and-seek memory? What is your favorite hide-and-seek memory? Everyone on the house, you can share with the person beside you. Everyone online, just a reminder, if you are watching online, I encourage you to share an answer, even if you're not watching live. Even if you're watching this on Tuesday or Thursday or whenever you're watching, even if it's five years down the road, throw a comment, because I love coming back and reading all those comments about how people are engaging and sharing. So what is your favorite hide-and-seek memory? <coughs> well, this morning, we're kicking off, moving forward with the idea of go out. Uh, Well, we'll just read the passage, just kick it all off. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But in order to make disciples, in order for the baptizing to happen, in order for them to teach all that Jesus had taught them, the first step is go. And the interesting thing is we often talk about this as the Great Commission. This is Jesus' last instructions to the disciples, last instructions to the church before he sent it into heaven, and we, we just kind of leave it at that. But the reality is, is that this whole idea of go out, go find people, go be engaged in your, your community, go, is actually comes from the example that Jesus set for us over the course of his three years of ministry. And the best example is this question, how far do you think Jesus traveled in his ministry? Now remember, Jesus is walking everywhere. And yet, every time when you go through the Gospels, it seems like he's in a different town every single story. If you read it chronologically, he is all over the place. So in three years' time, how far do you think Jesus walked over the course of his ministry? Everyone in the house, throw out your answers. Everyone online, take a guess. What do you think? What do you think? Don't look at the back, cheater. Anybody? And now, everyone who didn't look in the back, any guesses? Take a crack at it. Huh? A couple feet. Yep. You're close, Mitch. So close. Anybody? Everyone's being super shy this morning. Huh? 
You're on the app, aren't you? Oh. Steven got it. 3,000 miles. You did. You, got, you didn't just kilometers. You did, yeah. 3,000 miles. And that's actually a low estimate. People say it could have been even more. In fact, because of most of Jesus, if you took Jesus' entire lifetime into account, they figured Jesus actually traveled 21,000 miles over his life because of the little trip to Egypt he took shortly after his birth when Herod was going to kill him. 21,000 miles on foot, best case scenario, he may have rode a donkey for a little bit. Which, I don't know if you ever rode a donkey, not the most comfortable riding experience in the world. Not the vehicles that we have the great luxury. Like, we're looking at 3,000 miles, like, we cover that in a month. Like, no, but he's on foot, people. He walked a crazy amount. And basically, what Jesus, the example Jesus is setting for us is that he did not sit in Jerusalem and expect the crowds to come to him. He went to the crowds. He went to Damascus. He went to Samaria, which is a no-no for the Jews. He went to Nazareth. He went to, he went everywhere. The man was constantly on the move. In fact, he's so much on the move, they said he didn't actually, he didn't even have his own home. He said it was like a fox. He didn't actually have his, even foxes have dens, Jesus said, but he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He was always on the hunt. John, the, the Apostle John says at the end of his gospel that if everything Jesus accomplished in those three years was recorded, there wouldn't be enough paper in the world, there wouldn't be enough ink in the world to record it all. Jesus was constantly on the move, constantly teaching and constantly on the look for those people who are hurting who are lost as, Je as jesus himself said i didn't come for the healthy the healthy don't need a doctor it's the sick who need a doctor it's not the righteous who needed us who need the savior it's the unrighteous it's those who are lost it's those that are hurting and so jesus came looking for the lost and the hurting and not only did Jesus set the example of what it looked like to be a people who go out, all throughout his ministry, he was constantly sending the disciples out. The first time he sent out them by two by two, he said, go into the, go into the, <clears throat> go into the villages, go into the towns, go throughout and tell people my message. And what was Jesus' message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that word repent, I think we often misunderstand what Jesus is saying. We often look at repentance as this idea of just coming to God and saying sorry, and we just, we just keep saying sorry, sorry, sorry over and over, but we just keep on sinning, and, and that's repentance. That's not repentance. Not even remotely close. Repentance is actually a physical, emotional and a spiritual turning from the things that are not only contrary to God's character, contrary to his teachings, contrary to his, his kingdom. It's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn from the ways of the world. Turn from the ways of sin. Turn from the ways that are contrary to me so that you can enter the kingdom and experience the goodness of my kingdom. Repent. Turn away have nothing to do with. Paul picks it up. He says, flee from. Don't even have a hint of it in your life. 
It's why <laughs> when you start going through all the things that are of the kingdom of God, you go through all the things that are contrary to God's character, and you start to try to live all these things out, it becomes very apparent why God gave us the Holy Spirit, because on our own strength, it's impossible. You can't do it on your own. Because you have this sin nature that loves to be pleased, that loves to just enjoy the things that are contrary to God. And he gives us our Holy Spirit so that we actually have a fighting chance to resist. Turn from the things of the world. Enter into the kingdom of God. That is our message. And that's why we need to go. We need to spread the kingdom. Because once you step into this, once you enter into and, be, and embrace the fact that you are a part of God's kingdom, all of a sudden things just get better. And we're going to talk about that next Sunday. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But you can't tell people to repent if we don't go. Which brings me to my second question. Have you ever been on a mission trip? Everyone in house, hands up. Have you ever been on a mission trip? That's a dumb question at one church because most of us have been on a mission trip. There's this little place called Mexico that we go to every two years. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's kind of a regular thing around here. And in fact, we've got our next Mexico trip heading off this Wednesday. We're going to take some time at the end of service to pray for them. Um, I got this cool little graphic. <laughs> Serves no purpose other than to be cool little graphic. We are sending our team to Mexico. Uh, if just in case everyone who does not listen to the announcements, because I've been announcing this for like six months now, um, we are sending a team. We did get it together. There's only four of them going, but that's okay. Four people is still sending a team that's going to do some things that's going to be helpful. The people down there are going to be appreciative. Art and Brenda are going to be appreciative. And so we want to send them. <clears throat> but going on a mission trip, here's my plug for the next one, because you missed this one. Uh, there's a survey done a couple of years ago about some of the most formative things that a Christian can do that cements their faith for the long run. It was camp. It was regular attendance at a youth ministry or a regular church service and a mission trip. Because a mission trip is you leaving your own context and typically going somewhere where people are less privileged who are hurting, who are lost, and you are, you're feeding them, you're clothing them, you are, you are being the hands and feet of Jesus, and your faith is never more real than when you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's all of a sudden, it's like it connects some dots that maybe weren't connected before, and so I can't say it enough. If you've never been on a mission trip, I really encourage you, next one that's coming up, which is probably going to be in two years, it seems to be our cycle, I really encourage you to seriously consider being on this next one because it will do things for your faith that nothing else could ever, there's, there's no experience like it. And so we are so excited to send off Clay and Mary and Jamie and Kara on their way. They head out on Wednesday. They are not only Jesus' representatives, they are representing our church as they fly down to a place that they've been to before, serve alongside Art and Brenda, who we support on a regular basis. And I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to come back. Surprise, you're going to come back, and you're going to tell us all about it, because every one of them loves being on stage and sharing 
publicly. It's going to be great. They're so excited. I could just feel the excitement in the room. But the whole point of going out is that you don't have to go to another country to be on mission. Newsflash, you don't actually have to go to Mexico to find hurting people. I don't know if you know that. You don't actually have to go to Mexico to find sick people. You don't actually have to go to Mexico to find people who are struggling to put food on their table. You don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go anywhere to find hurting and lost people. They are right here, right outside our door. They are all around us. The problem is, is that we have forgotten the rules of hide-and-seek. Because newsflash, hurting people don't typically reach out. But we as a church, and I mean church generally, not specifically this church, the church has had a really bad habit of just, we're here, come to us, and we will help you. (laughs) If you've never been a hurting person, you don't understand the fact that reaching out is not your top priority. If you're hurting, if you're lost, if you're struggling emotionally, you're more prone to go hide. You just want to be by yourself. I just want to survive the hurt, basically. And God has called his church to be the seekers in the biggest hide-and-seek game of all. You don't win hide-and-seek by staying in one spot and hoping somebody pops their head up. You win hide-and-seek by going, by looking under every rock, by sticking your head in every dark place, by getting a little messy sometimes. And I'm talking as someone who grew up on the farm. I went through the odd mud puddle to find a kid because you knew that kid showed up in rubber boots. He's never going to find me. Oh, I'll find you. I ain't got messy doing it, but I'll find you. It requires us to get a little uncomfortable. It requires us to get a little bit dirty. It requires us to get into those places that maybe we don't necessarily want to get into. But there are people at stake. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are lost. And God's desire is that all humanity, everyone, would come to the knowledge of the repentance and come into relationship with God the Father. God's desire is that none would be lost. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is is that our desire? Or are we okay watching people in our community be lost forever? Are you okay with that? I hope not, because that's really morbid. Are we okay with people to just stay in their hurt? Are we okay with people to continue to go hungry? Are we okay to just sit back in our nice warm church with a nice warm coffee and just let the world fall apart. I had other words, but I decided it probably wasn't appropriate at church. I hope not, because God's not okay with it. God's not okay with people being separated from him forever. God's not okay. It shouldn't be okay for us. 
And so in the same way that Jesus went and he talked to people he shouldn't talk to, he touched people he wasn't supposed to touch, he ate with people he wasn't supposed to eat with. Why? Because they needed to know the love of God. They needed to know the love of the Savior. In the same way, there's people in our community, in Carlisle, in Redverse, in Imperial, in St. Brew, in every community where we have people that are watching and participating right now, there's people there who are hurting the question is, are you looking for it? And I'm not saying to go knock on every door after ch- I mean, if you want to go knock on every door, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not saying go knock on every door and be the creepy guy or girl. But what I'm saying is have your eyes open for when something isn't quite right. Because you run into hurting people every single day. It's just a matter of do you notice them hurting Do you see it when it's there, or do you miss it? It's the whole reason we have the youth center. We have youth that come through those doors that are hurting, and they might not even know that they're hurting, but they are. And it is our opportunity, it's Mitch's opportunity, to share the love of Christ with them, because otherwise they may never hear it. But the youth center, the Carlisle campus, the Redverse campus, the, even the online quote-unquote campus is really just a base that is designed to send out. Because all along we've said we are here to equip. We want to give you opportunities to go out, to be a part, to be the light of Christ to those who need it the most. We're talking about hearing from God all last month. So the question is, where is God sending you? Do you hear God speaking to you? What is the name of the person he's laying on your heart? Who is the neighbor you need to go talk to? Who is the, and it's funny because as I was talk, thinking about this, I, every time I walk to church, I just think about my message. As I'm thinking about it, I see every single house that I walk by and I'm like, I don't know these people, but I want to. Because God loves them. God knows their name. God knows their story. God knows exactly what they're going through. And they might not know God. And I want to be the one who changes that for them. We should want to be the people who change that for those all around us. At the AGM, we're going to talk about the ideas that we have that are going to help you get out into our community, get out into your community, and engage with the people that are there to be the good hide-and-seek player who is seeking out those who need to know Jesus. And when we talk about go out and love on people, we say go out and share the good news of Jesus with people, and it gets really intimidating. Because I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to pray the sinner's prayer. I don't know how to talk about the Bible. What if they ask questions? I'll make it really simple for you. The easiest outreach you could ever do, the easiest thing you could do on this idea of go out is six simple words. You should come to my church. Let me do all the hard work. If you don't want to talk about Jesus, that's okay. I love talking about Jesus. If you're scared of questions, I love questions. I don't always answer them the best, but I do love questions. You should come to my 
church. Remember that. Everyone say it with me. You should come to my church. One more time, just make sure it's stuck. You should come to my church. Perfect. I hope you can remember that. I know there's a lot of words there. I tried to keep it all one syllable, so try to keep it not so complicated. But it's not, you're not saying anything about faith. You're not saying anything about somebody's life. You're not, you're not saying anything. You're just saying you should come. You should come check us out. You should come be a part of our community. You should come drink our coffee. Because, you know, the coffee bill's already tripled. Might as well just make it go higher. You should come to my church. Because there's a chance that you're looking for something, and you might find it here. There's a chance that you're hurting, and you might find healing here. There's a chance you might be lost, and you could find fulfillment here. There's a chance that something is missing, and it's a God-shaped hole that you can only find here. But in order to get that message out, you have to go. So with that, good timing, Jamie. Come on up. <laughs> I was like, I was just about to call him up and Jamie and Kara disappear. <laughs> I was like, how did you know? Clay, come on up. Start, bring the... <laughs> You get all of it, buddy. I'm going to get the rest of the council to come on. You stay right there. Oop, stay down there. I'm get the count, rest of the council to come on up. I'm going to get Mitch to come on up. Yep. I'm going to ask everyone in-house, everyone online, because we believe in a God that is bigger than distances, to extend your hands towards our team. And we are going to pray a little blessing on our team as they head out as the hands and feet Extend your hands to them. Heavenly Father, we are so proud of these four. And Mary is here in spirit, even though she couldn't be here with us physically. God, we're proud of them, that they took up the mantle to go into another country, to share your good news, to share your love with people who need to hear it. God, I pray that even though they are going to help, that you would speak to them, that they would experience, that they would experience your love and your provision and your peace. God, that you would, they would be open to hearing from you in a way that maybe they haven't been before and that you would give them fresh revelation on their trip. God, we wish there's, there's more, there's people in this room that wish they were going. And so, these four represent the team that wanted to go. They represent the team that could have gone. In the midst of all the chaos, we got the team, the exact team that we were supposed to send. In the midst of COVID, in the midst of all the questions and all the uncertainty, this is the team you wanted. And so we pray a blessing on them. God, I pray that you would open their eyes, that they would be aware of what's going on around them, that you would fill them with new confidence, that you fill them with new anointing to represent you well, to be your hands and feet. And that they would come back fired up, excited about your kingdom, 
and that it wouldn't stop because they left Mexico, but that that same mission mentality, that same going out would continue for their entire lifetime. We bless them. God, anoint them as they get ready. I pray for peace as they do the last-minute packing and organizing all the details that all would come together in a way that only you could make it happen. In your precious name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. All righty. Give a round of applause for our team as they get ready to go. They're flying for the first time, which is... Uh, that is a whole different mission trip, but they're going to get a whole different experience because they get a couple extra days because we flew. Um, so we're excited to hear all that God has done, all that God is doing, and everything that they experience. I invite you to stand and get the worship team to come on up. And I'm going to pray uh, one last time before I hand it off. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart that is willing to go. God, give us eyes to see the things that maybe people are trying to hide. Give us eyes to see those who are hurting. Give us eyes to see those who are going through something. And give us a heart that loves them. Give us the words to say, the perfect word at just the right time that encourages them, that lifts them up. Give us the wisdom to know, as I said this morning, to say those six simple words you should come to church. God, give us opportunities to invite somebody. Give us opportunities to share your love and your grace and your blessing with anyone we come in contact with. Help us to be a people that go. Pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.